You are listening to Super Yacht Radio. You're listening to the Overboard Show. It is past the hour. <laughs> Coming up quarter past the hour. I'll leave it to you. Now you have a guest in your studio. I do have a guest in my studio. I'm very pleased to present my cousin, who is not just my cousin, but a man of much experience related to music, as it turns out, which with all the cousins I have, actually, I believe, Brian O'Brien, you are the only one who actually is, out of 56 first cousins, which is a lot, is the only one related to music, but a long experience of music. May I present my cousin, Brian O'Brien? Hello, good morning. I, I gotta say, uh, I just love your name. Your, <laughs> your parents are the most innovative people I've ever come across. Second only yeah. to Upsiday's parents. Fantastic sense of humor, <laughs> parents. <laughs> what do we call them? Well, Brian O'Brien. Great name. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you very much. Over Thank to Maeve. She's going well, to interview I've, you. I will. I, I think we can both do it, but um, Brian, just to introduce a little bit. How is it you're involved in music? Uh, well, my, I have, can I just say it's kind of nice to talk about music since we spent so much time talking about super yachts and other things. Mm. It's nice to have the introduction of music on the station since we play so much of it. <laughs> and the background of music. I suppose um, my, uh, my background is... I work in the music industry, but what I do is I work in, I suppose, the logistics and the technical side of the music industry. And I'm, uh, for years, I've worked with bands, being a crew member, touring crew member on various tours. And um, I've spent 30 years touring. It's kind of all I've ever done, really. Uh, and I spent 30 years on the road with various bands down through the years. I now, uh, I'm a production manager would be the sort of title. So I'd be sort of looking after all the logistics behind the tours and everything involved from the budgeting, the initial budgeting uh, and the initial creative idea and then taking that and uh, I suppose making it work on the road. And would we know uh, any of these bands you've worked with, Brian? I, I, down through the years, yeah, I've, I've, I've a pretty good resume at this point now, and um, I've worked with, uh, I, uh, from going back twenty odd years ago, from uh, Irish band The Corps to people like Ellie Goulding and Franz Ferdinand, Arcade Fire. I've done some time on the road with uh, Queen uh, uh, and Rogers. And uh, I spent a lot of time working with Irish band Script. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been working with the Script since 2011. He, he grew up and just around the corner from me. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. World I remember yeah. when they made it big, I was in the Shelburne Hotel in Dublin. And his mother was in the Shelburne. And like any proud Irish mother... If there was a way she could get into the conversation that her son was in the script and they just made it big, she was pretty much going from table to table. Lovely woman. We ended up having a... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Very, very but, fond. Yeah, as soon as I, she, I met her, and she, uh, she was from Barton Road East in Dundrum, and she knew my dad. And, of course, once we ferreted that into the conversation... Um, 
Many drinks were had that night, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about as, as, as one tends to do. As one <laughs> tends to do. Enough about me. Back to you. What A you... typical Irish uh, occasion. Yeah. yeah no, it's, uh, it's a you know, once you figure out that you're from Dublin or, you know, what part of Dublin, yeah. it's yeah. not that funny. I, my little claim to fame, which is very small, but was Being that married my to mom, me. Not quite. My <laughs> mum met uh, George Michael's mum at a party one time in London. And um, they like good mums bond. And my mum goes, oh, is your kid the one, the one who does the wham band? Now this is back in wow. the nineteen eighties. Wow! The wham and George, band. Mike, George Michael's mum goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she goes, ah, oh, my kids think he's great. <laughs> and uh, and afterwards, we got a signed album by George Michael. George Michael mm. of Wham fame. Yeah. All, all those years yeah. ago. Yeah. If, that if, was. If only you still great. had that. Huh? If only you we still had that. that. You still have that. Oh, well. We still have a record. It's like a record, and we got because in those days you used to get the kind of tour album, you right. know, and they yeah, had all yeah. the photos of yeah. them by the mm. pool and various different stuff. I had a wham jacket. I had that stonewashed leather wham jacket. It was an appalling fashion statement. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? Actually, yeah, as you describe it, it's uh, it's right. straight away it's, it stands out as uh, a beacon yeah. of eighties. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a fashion faux pas, as we used to say, fashion faux pas. Can I come back to to bands? Because you know, well, can, we, we should all... come back to our guest at some stage. Yes, it's all does. about us now. Which there are many stories, but I'm I'm wondering how Queen fits in because I know Queen fit in because I know the pictures on your wall as I come up. Mm. But um, are you not a bit young? Because I'm thinking. And what I, do you mean I is he not a bit young? He's about the same age as me. Well, he looks younger, doesn't he, honey? <laughs> oh, thank I, you. Think, I think he looks more weather-beaten, but that's that's just my opinion. <laughs> I think uh, the word is more mature. <laughs> you may act that way, Brian O'Brien, but I can, I can assure you... Um, actually, no, I can't assure you of anything on that score, so we'll move on. The sign of maturity is just a front... Yeah. I say this exactly. I, it's a facade, as we say in the industry. A facade. It's French, you know. I recently watched <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, I know it was something probably of a uh, creative vision of his life, but it was still very well done. No, I, I believe it. I believe it was pretty true, true to the the real uh, thing. I believe. I made, I made Kalila, my 11-year-old, with me because I thought, you know, Queen music is sort of, it, it, it everybody knows it, you know, and as you're watching it, in our seven some year old, way. Our seven-year-old was doing a Queen song for her school play, wasn't she? It is. It, it's a bit like ABBA. I will it, you. it will last on through the generations. Hmm. But I, um, and, and they have this amazing scene of Live Aid happening in, 85 where they kind of had yeah. a comeback so where did you fit in then on um actually uh, uh, and that's it you know that's funny, a, funny you should mention that but yeah it's it's this so i i regard live it as a very important sort of uh, uh moment moment because 
I started uh, on, a, on a very local scene. I started with uh, a couple of friends of mine uh, introduced by m my cousin who was a uh, boyfriend of a guy in a band, basically. S uh, simple as that. But it was a, a huge, huge moment uh, with me being involved in music was Live Aid. Really? I'd seen, actually, see, seen Queen on Live Aid and seen uh, U2 on Live Aid. Yeah, that's bad. I think they sung the song bad. Who stayed as co at that time, uh, maybe not so much now, but stayed as co at that time yeah. were a math band. So seeing those three acts in Live Aid, seeing U2 on Live Aid, and actually seeing Bono, I suppose the Irish connection is seeing Bono um, run into the crowd, which... We've since learned over the years it was completely unscripted and it was just a spur of the moment thing. Uh, my focus at the time would have been sort of you too, uh, which uh, it's a sort of overused phrase, but an up and coming Irish band. But I mean, they were massive. Mm -hmm. But Queen actually, we since learned then, Queen actually stole the show. But I think back then, uh, and it's very much, you can see this with the Queen movie uh, these days, uh, it's almost a reintroduction because there was a, like a massive worldwide fan club to Queen and have been all down through the years. But Queen, in a sense, has been reintroduced again. And mm. I suppose the movie is the legacy of Freddie and stuff like that. It's been mm. reintroduced to people, brand new audience. And like you say about, you know, your daughter doing a Queen song in her school play, the same with like my kids now, 15 and 11, and there's no reason in the world why my 11-year-old should Queen songs. But that's the whole that's the whole story behind Queen. It's 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 a different genre of music, but it's kind of similar to the it, Abbey it story. Is, but you, you listen to something like Bohemian Rhapsody, um, yes. and you know, in a hundred years' time, it'll still sound fresh. Absolutely, think, you know. and I mean some of the best <clears throat> songs in I'm going to say in pop history. Some of the best uh, music in pop history is Queen. Now, my introduction to Queen is um, I worked with Queen when Queen, I suppose Queen had been off the road for years, and and uh, I I wasn't involved in the Queen setup when Freddie was there. Freddie was alive, but uh, in the '90s I had been lucky enough to sort of get a a job on a tour with Brian May, a solo tour, and I made some very good connections there and long-lasting friends who I'm still friends with to this day. And then when Queen went back touring, they were looking for someone to fill a spot. And uh, uh, I think my name, I suppose my name was on a list and I suppose Brian remembered me or recognized me and they called me up again and that's how I ended up touring with Queen. It was Queen it was and just Paul that, Rogers. It was yeah. just that, so... After Freddie died, they took another break, and then the three of them said, "Look, you know, we've still got great music. Let's let's go on a tour." Yeah, I because they didn't do that in Bohemian uh, No, I think it was. Uh, you know what? There's probably a, who knows. There's probably a part two or a, a, maybe be another movie uh, to come down the road or something. But there's certainly enough material for three or four movies. I mm. think uh, so. It was post Freddie. And it was it was Brian May and it was Roger Roger Taylor, and um, I, I don't know how it came about again, but I, I'd imagine they just had so much music in them and so much to do and so much uh, to tell or to document or stories 
and um, they they just they went back in the road, and uh, it was amazing, absolutely amazing. I mean, I suppose the, the discussions when you chat about Queen, the first question would be, "Oh, did you get a chance to? Were you working with Freddie Mercury?" And no, I never got that chance. But uh, to work with Brian May and Roger Taylor, mm. uh, absolutely um, amazing. Like they're probably story. a bit overshadowed by Freddie, as uh, people think Queen no, think Freddie. I suppose. <clears throat> I suppose. I suppose. I suppose any band, in a way, yeah, uh, with such a with such a you know frontman, or I suppose any band can be overshadowed in a way, but. Uh, you know, when I was touring with Queen and Paul Rogers, it you know it never felt that way because it was uh, it was all about this uh, the story of Queen uh, and Freddie as well. Even mm-hmm. though he he was absent, but uh, he was certainly thought of every day and every night when when the guys took to the stage and uh, have some um, some of my best memories actually are are from the people on that tour and and Brian and Paul and and stuff so. That's the Queen connection. Yeah, fantastic, yeah. fantastic piece of history, and uh, yeah. I suppose amazing to be involved at any at any level or any stage. Where, where were you when um, they did Live Aid? It's one of those I things was, I think everybody remembers. It's a bit like, where were you when you landed on the moon or something? I was sitting at home in Cork City. Uh, I was still in school. Um, I was. I think I was still. I think I was still fourteen to be fifteen, or I just turned fifteen. You're younger than me. Told you. (laughs) Funny you don't look uh, it. There you go. (laughs) To be honest, I um, uh, I didn't the background to 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 Live Aid. I knew this thing was on in this live concert, and it was a chance to see live music. I had kind of only started to really understand, to be honest, I suppose what live music was all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly not connected to the wider music industry. Um, aside from Top of the Pops on, Top on of TV. The Pops. And, you know, and that was, that I mean, was that must. was it. Um, to be honest, I never, at that time, I think things like Radio Luxembourg were about, but I hadn't. Mm-hmm sort of tuned into could, that live could you get so, that in Cork Radio Luxembourg you could yeah it was on uh, I think it was long wave was it was it long wave radio no, medium medium wave medium wave was it okay well, yeah. well, I, in Dublin we were getting it on medium wave yeah um, but in Cork you might have to get a short wave <laughs> <laughs> not that far removed we could get a lot of things in Cork but for, for those of you who don't know, there's on the TV, so yeah. there's been a, a battle for many years between Cork and Dublin as to who's the rightful ca- capital. <clears throat> good-natured battle. Yeah. A good-natured battle. Um, we have Guinness. They they came up with this syrupy stuff called Murphy's. Yeah. And uh, I I don't know. I think. Did drink tea? There we see we can agree on something. Agree on tea, and uh, of course it has to be. I mean, you know, it goes without saying. It has to be Barry's tea because it's a it's a Cork brand. There you go. I I wouldn't travel stand without up, it. Stand out Cork <laughs> brand Barry's tea. Yes, yeah, th- think of that as as us putting the first foot forward in friendship. Yeah, it's Barry's a tea. Barry's tea. Tea. 
it, tra- it travels the world with me, Barry's tea. And, I was going to say, too. it's the only thing wherever we are is imported. Like when we were in France and people would say, do you want anything from mm. home? You know, generally could live without anything except for tea. Barry's and when tea. he gets down to the last oh, bag. It's a desperate situation. That's for sure. Actually, I had uh, I, I was in I was on I was traveling for work last uh, two weeks ago, and I was in Los Angeles, and I'd, ca- I'd carry my own, I'd carry you know enough Barry's tea. I was there for five days, so I'd carry enough Barry's tea for maybe ten days. Yeah, you I had to cover a, yourself. Yeah, gee, you, you never yeah. know. I met uh, an old, uh, a lifelong friend of mine and colleague in LA, and. Um, I uh, I had reason to make him a couple of cups of tea, and I realised after uh, a day of meetings and stuff like that that the tea bag stash was there. Uh, You'd overdone it, it, haven't you? Yeah, you overdid yeah, it with your done. generosity. So I had to ho- I had to hold back on the uh, stash. So he had to, he, he had to go on the coffee before we finished the meetings, uh, and uh, because there was no way I could do I could do a full week without a Barry's tea. I, I've <laughs> done that as well. I've been generous with my tea bags. I don't say that to many men, but uh, and uh, and on occasion I've had to go back. Um, it was actually my sister in France, and I had to knock on her door and go, "I'll be needing some of those tea bags back. Um, I've run low." But thank God for Grandjean Pops, uh, Grandjean and Pops, because uh, Maeve's parents, when things get desperate, they um, they do one of these kind of Mexican parcels. You know, where they they send toys and inside the toys they hide tea bags. Um, so that's my so, lifeline. Um, so what moving did, you is away from tea. Yes. What um, what did you do on the road, Brian? What was your so function? I, I started off, and the term is called a backline. And uh, the term we 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 call is backline technician. So basically, I did. Uh, I kind of specialised in. The early years, doing looking after the guitars, the maintenance and setup of guitars and the drums and the, like the band instruments. Are, are you that guy when we're standing in the crowds waiting for you know chanting, Bono, Bono, and you you come out and we all think it's Bono but it's not. It's the guys settling the guitars and making sure they're in That's tune and yes and uh, play uh, and check the guitars and stuff um, uh, and make sure they're all working and everything's fine. Yeah. Did I, you ever actually? No, the guitar, actually, so like, would no. you know if it was out of tune? Oh, or? You, well, I, you know, I could play, I could play a couple of chords, but I, uh, sort of enough to know. And I, I was never sort of, uh, I never played guitar as a hobby, or, but I, I, I was definitely um, able to tell if they're out of tune or in tune, and and to go sort of, there's a lot more behind it as well in the setup of it and intonation and stuff like that, and. It was about knowing sort of the, the 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 guitar player you were working for, and then knowing what they liked in terms of the setup and stuff like that. So the mechanics of it, I had a uh, had a fair idea of it, and I did that for years. And then um, o- over the years, I always had uh, an interest in the logistics, and uh, and in the earlier days, the logistics behind the music. Um, I think it were a lot more challenging in that it was the days before, I suppose, internet and it was the days before email. So it was a fax machine and a phone and a calling card or a bag of coins. And if you think of the days before the euro, when I started touring first, 
every every day mm-hmm. and you're in Europe a different currency yeah. and uh, looking back now, big bag of coins big bag of coins basically yeah. and there's some very funny stories of I suppose the Americans touring Europe uh, and trying to grasp the concept of you go to sleep in Hamburg on a tour bus after a show and you wake up in a completely different country and you need different money. Yeah. They make coffee a different way. You're speaking uh, a different you're language. You're speaking a different language. And um, I mean, the same for us, but we, I suppose, be, uh, being Irish and being based in Europe, uh, I think a better understanding of the geography. Mm. Uh, but uh, that well, was... So- <laughs> Americans don't look at distances the same way. You know, the, the kind of typical American tourists come in thinking, well, yeah. I'll tour the entire amount of Ireland all in five yeah, days. Five, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think if you look as well, the map, I mean, the map of uh, the map of North America, and if you took the map of North America and, and overlaid it on the map of Europe, I mean, it takes up a fair chunk. So the distances, mm. the fact that you could cover six or seven countries in, in a week, or two weeks. Um, I mean, it is amazing, really. But that was, I mean, that was the days. Now it's, it's. A, I mean, there are different challenges now in touring, but uh, certainly with the, you know, the arrival of email and mobile phones. The email and mobile phones made everything easier. Uh, but it, I suppose it, to get things set up in advance. Yeah, in advance. And get yeah. everything. And, and you were you were definitely you were definitely more aware. I mean. You know, it wasn't as basic as before when I started. It wasn't as basic of you made a call three weeks before the show and you showed up on the day and hoped everything was was um, was okay and everything went well. Uh, it was definitely it was a little bit more structured than that. But now, I mean, these days, even even on a social level, uh, you send an email to someone and if you don't get a response within an hour, you think. You send another one. You think something's wrong, and and that's it. And like even if I get one on a Saturday, if I don't respond to it by Saturday, I, I start feeling guilty. There's... Oh, I mean, for for me, like sort of what I do now in the logistics behind the music. Uh, what I do now is what I suppose we call production management would be the mm-hmm. term, and it's organising the tour and stuff. You send an email on a on a Friday, and uh, you're sending it to someone who who just may have left the office for the weekend. But in the music, it's a sort of unwritten rule of it's twenty twenty four seven. And if you don't get a response in a couple of hours, you you know you're actually starting to wonder: Have I got the right email address? Well, maybe <laughs> you know, died or something. Yeah. So um, it's it's yeah that's a that's another side of it too. Um, but I guess you have that. You have that it's, right across the It's because people have mobile phones now. It's like, well, you can get the email all the time, every time. And I, I've tried I've tried to make it a rule now that I don't look at my email from Friday to Monday. I try not to. I try to you know, and that's, that's something I've never actually had in, I mean, last September, I, uh, last September, I it was marked 30 years of working in music and touring, specifically touring. And um, the idea of, uh, you know, the idea of closing my laptop on a Friday afternoon and then sort of back in the office on Monday, I, I've never had that. I've always, I've always, you know, accessing emails over the weekend. I've always answered. I've always picked up the phone. That's, that's just what I've been used to. Yeah, me too. 
So um, the other thing, as an Irish... Oh, there was another thing. Well, yeah, because we were talking earlier about Bono and... My uh, as Dave, what, at the age of 15, he used to go down to the dandelion market in well, Dublin. Yeah, just at the, back of the, at the back of the dandelion market. They weren't even called U2 at that stage, were huh? they? There was what? They weren't even called U2 at that stage. No, I think they were at that stage. Um, just before then, I saw them once before, I think over in Malahide, and I have a feeling it was flashback or feedback, I think they were called. Okay, I well, uh, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't remember then. That he's, was he's uh, age. <laughs> I, I, I had hair back then, um, <laughs> but then, um, I, I remember just seeing them, I wasn't really that impressed at the time, and then um, a girl I was going out with, uh, Margaret Morrow, she uh, she was mad into them. And so yeah, when I was doing the intercerts, so I was about 15, she dragged me to the Dandelion Market and the back of it there was like a, a garage or a room. And, and this was uh, about 1980, for those who don't really know your age. It was seven, and I'd say it was 79, 80. And then uh, the center of Dublin. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think it was like 50 pence or something. And you'd go in, and um, at that stage, you knew there was something special about them. Mm. And they were getting a, a good following. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was, uh, that was cool. So we used to do that every couple of weeks. We'd go and see them there. And, uh, and I have a guitar that was made for The Edge. I got it by accident. Oh. It's my oh. other claim to fame. With us for the past Just 15 years. everywhere with me. Yeah. Um, uh, Dad used to deal with a company that imported Yamaha. And oh, they, okay. yeah, they imported Yamaha motorbikes and Yamaha music stuff. Okay. And he did a favor for the, the foreman down there, the man who managed the warehouse. And uh, we were there one day and he was like, oh, Tom, here now take this and he's trying to give him some money for whatever my dad did for him and my dad's like no jerry i, I won't you know if i can't do a favor for a friend i wouldn't take it off you he said, well take this and dad's like no i don't want that i want nothing for it and so he kept badgering my father and my father wouldn't you know he, he'd done a favor for the guy he's not going to take anything so he took he, he turned to me the foreman jerry and he said uh right if you won't take anything i'll give something to your son and we happened to be in the music department at the time. And he said to me, well, um, what would you like? You can take anything you want here, you can have. And I looked around, and yeah, they had the electric guitars, they had pianos, they had loads, yeah, the Yamaha warehouse full of everything Yamaha. And there was this little wooden guitar, it was like the Holy Grail down the end of the room. <laughs> the an angels singing and a little light on it and whatever. And um, I said, I'd, I'd, I'd go for that. So he gave me this, this wooden guitar. And funny enough, as we left um, the Edge and Adam Clayton pulled into the car park as we were leaving in a big old American kind of um, soft top. I don't know if it was a Cadillac or something. It was very much a 50s kind of oversized American vehicle. And they were coming in as we were leaving. Anyway, about a week later, um, Jerry was telling me that they they were actually arriving because 
they'd had this guitar specially made for the edge. You know, they'd, they'd measured his fingers, they'd measured his arms, um, they'd chosen the wood, and it's some Japanese uh, guitar maker had been working on it for months, hand making it for him, and he arrived in to collect it. So, uh, to find it gone. And yeah. did Jerry not say, oh, hang on a minute, and give your dad a buzz? Well, that's what Jerry, uh, Jerry was called up by the, the owner of the, the company. He's like, uh, we're looking for this guitar. Where is it? I said, oh, Jesus, I've, I've just given it away. I've given it to <laughs> this this kid. You probably passed him on your way in here. And uh, But he said, look, you know, I know that not a problem. I'll give him a call. It'll be back later today. Um, I can get it off. Him. And in fair use to him, the edge said, uh, no, he said, no, if, 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 if the kid got it, then he's meant to have it. And get me another one. So wow. I, I, you, you play? Sonny, you should say that. <laughs> <laughs> I've carried he it everywhere. He has chords. As, yeah. <laughs> and problem. he's carried it around for what no, now, 15 be, years? I'm planning to, I'm planning to learn. I would, be, I would be sort of, I suppose, amongst the people I've toured with over the years, I'd be sort of uh, known for, like, in the days of guitar teching, uh, I mean, I was okay. I held my own at, at sort of uh, d uh, maintaining the guitars, but mm. a lot of people found it strange that I couldn't really play, yeah. and uh, I never concentrated on the playing end. <laughs> no, I, um, I'm, I'm, I still pick it up every every couple of days. Football, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm bringing this up because um, I think I brought up Bono and you two because um, they're the the oh. Biggest, most famous. And, and I went yeah. to school with Adam Clayton's sister. Another claim to fame. <laughs> but go. moving on to a more. The, Bono and, and you two would be the biggest, most well known Irish yeah. band. Yeah. But in some ways, I think being a little bit behind both of you in, in age and music tastes, I think um, that was the sort of the lead in in some ways, to Irish bands really being able to hit yeah. the international I stage. Mean, so my yeah. memory of, of the cores were like the next kind of big, big band that hit it. But, Absolutely. You know, we had Boyzone in the 90s. We had, um, you know, going forward, you know, the script. These were... Boyzone? Did you say Boyzone? But I think, um, I think in some ways you two kind of paved... The path Absolutely. of recognition of Irish uh, music. I mean, they're definitely the standout marker, and I mean, they still are like the the, the biggest band um, in the world. Uh, but absolutely, for uh, a lot of bands, and they were around at a time where they single-handedly, I suppose, the, the the guys and I suppose the manager at the time, they really did pave the way, and. Um, I mean, even to this day, any any tour that they do or any project they undertake, anything at all that they they're involved in, it's like they just do it to the sort of highest level possible. Mm -hmm. So they still are, they still are way out there uh, in respect of that. But they, uh, I, I I don't know what year or what time or what part of their career, but it's certainly you know focused. By them being the standout and being the marker, they focused attention in Ireland in the music scene. Yeah. I think it was the jo the Joshua Tree album 
um, I think, uh, exploded them. Um, in America, Joshua Tree In America. Um, yeah, when that, hit, when that hit the shelves and um, you know, they were down in L.A. doing... Uh, Doing that number on top of the, on top of the liquor store somewhere in LA. Thing, yeah, that's right. I remember um, seeing that. It basically closed down the city. The police got a bit pissed. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think the Joshua Tree that tour when they went to America, uh, put them on on a, a whole new level. And um, I mean, I say I just said there like sort of that exploded overnight. Um, mm. So. It was a whole new sound. They hadn't, nobody had heard that kind of sound before. Um, uh, yeah, and I suppose it was very distinctive at the time, and, and I think. It was distinctive, which, and I, th I think a lot of it, which, you know, everybody looks at the at the, the front man, you were saying this earlier on, but I think a lot of it had to do with uh, Larry Mullen and the drum playing. And there was a certain beat that he was getting with that drum. You don't hear it off any other band. Yeah. And I think that had a huge amount to... Just there was some resonance with it in that album. Uh, well, there was a certain album. style to it, and still is. Yeah. Today. Yeah. But you know, I, the the sort of I did use the term there. It exploded overnight. That's that's what it kind of seems to us. But oh, you know, a lot of hard work behind it. Yeah, yeah. I've been around bands long enough to know that uh, the the album that explodes overnight or the song that explodes overnight because it hits the charts and goes to number one it seems like that's to us or to lay people but actually the work behind that there's probably months mm. of i mm. suppose what we call promo is what we term it in the business but it's promotion where you're doing radio interviews and you're doing tv shows that can go on for two or three months mm. before you actually get to do the tour and you come back to the city it's also for a lot of They've, they've. It's actually they've been in those cities a few months before to promote the product yeah. before they get to actually come back and play the city to a sellout crowd. Or and so, so the, the years beforehand, you know, kind of. in, in getting the product right, um, that started way back in in Malahide. It started in in the Dandelion Market. It it you know it it took years going through their different. If you trace the the boy album, um, war album, and you, October, and you trace it, they, they they got to a point when they were ready for the American market. Guess who's the diehard U two fan? <laughs> I really appreciate them. <laughs> yeah. So spotted. Moving on to, I mean, because you've seen kind of the evolution of the chorus who were massive in many ways for yeah. us in, in the 90s. I have to say, I kind of missed the script because I kind of left Ireland by the time they made it big. Don't but say that because we played about on the station quite a bit. I know, That's but I, I was becoming big somehow. Yeah, they yeah, had yeah. kind of become big by the time I, I had heard about them. Yeah. Um, where did, Where is Irish music now or how have you seen it kind of? Um, I, you know, I've actually been very lucky to be a sort of, uh, I'm going to say a silent part of it or behind the scenes part of it because um, a huge, huge, the biggest part of my career was uh, the chorus. I worked with the chorus for eight years mm. Mm. Uh, through all that massive popularity and um I mean, they were absolutely amazing, and the, the the work ethic, and what's very rare as well is, um, I suppose the the 
blood harmonies, as I would call it, like to see a family. I mm. mean, especially to to be in studio. Uh, and I was I, I was lucky enough to be behind the scenes for every single part of the creation of from the songwriting to be present at somebody sitting on a piano, like uh, one of the girls or Jim, and they'd sit at a piano and they might play something and they have an idea. And actually to see them sitting down, for example, maybe on a lunch break or a dinner break in the studio, and they sit down and tinkling over a piano or, and it's, you know, it's the start of a song. And then to see it develop and actually to be lucky enough to be sitting in the studio and to see it being recorded and produced, and then it's on the album, and you know, next thing you know, you're you're touring it live, and you're playing it to, you know, the Albert Hall, or you're playing it to the biggest arenas and 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 stadiums and venues in the world. Um, I've often that, wondered how much a song morphs from that initial concept, you know, of one of them picking up a guitar or sitting at a piano, how much it morphs from that moment to when they're in in, in um, the Albert Hall or, or some big stadium playing it live, uh, a, some some it, it, it depends on the band as well, and I suppose hmm. it depends on the sort of uh, relationships and the songwriting teams because some songs would, I imagine, or from my experience, would be would be very obvious, they'd be very obvious contenders to be on the next album or be the next single or it morphs into something and everybody realizes very special. Mm. And then sometimes you might have, you might have one or two members of the band. I mean, I'm not saying the core, I'm saying any band, you two or Queen or the cores or uh, Nine Inch Nails or Boyzone or whoever, whatever genre music is, you might have one or two people that think uh, uh, one song is specifically, like specifically one song is better than another song and you might have two members or three members of the band who prefer that song and then I suppose it's the the politics then of what gets released because the record company the label for example who have who have signed and are waiting for the album they might decide that another song is 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 definitely a, a, a radio hit so you might you might have like whatever you might have 10 songs in an album and you might have uh you might have a song that's not released as a single, but maybe the band actually think that it's the strongest song. Or, or and so there's that sort of they go away then at, at some stage, and the, you know everybody has their say in which song is going to be released or which song is the strongest. But when you play, when you when you go to a live concert, you that's when you get to hear. You might have the band might think a particular song works better live than any other one. So that's when you sort of hear it. The songs that maybe are not released as singles and stuff are not the hits are termed as the hits or in some ways that the platform of seeing the feedback of the live audience yeah, and the you know, I said, yeah like and i suppose the band, somehow when yeah. they feel the song yeah, to see what the reaction is like i can yeah i mean i'd have some idea but you, you can you can never tell but you you, you certainly do uh, you can never tell what's going to work but you know, the band themselves, I mean, you have to trust the band themselves. They, they know their audience. They know their audience and they might know how a particular song is going to react. Or I suppose when they come out with new songs, they might be nervous at how a particular song is going to react. But they get up on stage, they play it, they sing it, and they know straight away from that feedback. Um, I can't. I mean, I can't point to, I can't point to any particular um, 
hit or song that a band do live that probably may not be on an album or something. I'm sure you two over the years, there's certain mm. songs that you two would much prefer live um, that maybe weren't, maybe they weren't hits on albums and stuff like that. But yeah. there's, there's, I'm sure with their back catalogue, there's, there's more than enough songs there that, you know, they, they, that resonate with people when they play live. Yeah. I could probably list off a few. I mean, I, 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 I've, I've sort of been in the background and seen and come across that, uh, but still not being able to tell how that magic, I can see the magic working, but, mm. but not knowing enough. It's down to, I think it's down to the band themselves or the musician or the creator of the music themselves. I've, I've seen that. Like you mentioned you too, strangely enough, but, um, they will, yeah. they, they'll, they'll bring certain songs like Acrobat and, um, of, Octagon Baby and, and other songs like that that uh, were on the album. They were never released as a single. They bring they, them to life. Never even heard of it on the radio. You, you know, they, yeah. it was just there. But they play it live, and um, oh my god! Yeah. OMG. I I have to say, not having been a U2 fan, um, but it it and I was saying this to you last night. Uh, I didn't get you two when I was younger. Like all the boy and the Joshua, it, to me, I didn't like it. I was, you know, eight or nine or ten. It didn't appeal to my music sense. No, but you've matured and, since then, love. Ah, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but then in, was it 92, we went to um, Lansdowne Road. And whether you are into you two music or not. That was the night. show. Yeah. Diana died, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was the the night Diana died. Actually, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very distinct memory. Yeah. Um, but as a show, man, it was amazing. Mm. And and you know, it was in Lansdowne Road, which is in the centre of Dublin, and you're standing there, and you've got, you know, somebody in their sixties beside you, and you've got somebody mm. fifteen beside you, and there's every age and every generation. And everyone's dancing, and that's when you go, okay, now, now I get, I get it. it. Yeah. I I get the music, that you know the experience of of a major band like you two. I'm sure it was like that for Queen as well, of the experience of feeling their music live. It was yeah, an and every every step of the way, um, uh, every step of the way, they uh, I sort of know this from sort of again being in the sort of behind the scenes of music. Every time that they undertake a tour or they go out and tour to this day, it's always the very latest technology. Mm. It's always, I'm, I'm going to say almost every single tour they do always has huge technical um, um, innovations. innovations and stuff involved. And the lead up to it for, for someone of sort of, in my game, the lead up to it, you, you know, it's just like so hard, so difficult. Uh, it's always time constraints. Yeah, because you got to you got to up your game at every concert. Exactly. So every time, and I know this from personal friends of mine. Every time that you two go on tour, it is the it's the brand new innovation. It's the brand new mm. thing out of the box because they put so much into it. It's mm. the latest technology. Like for example, say a video screen or a particular lighting effect or something. It's the it's it's the brand new yeah. 
uh, thing and they it's almost it's not like they launch it but they every single show they do it, they just want it to be the, the, yeah. the best and right? they did it and, and that's probably you know, why 20 years on yeah. Yeah. 20 years on we went to see them in barcelona so it's a different audience it's not an irish audience yeah. which feels different because you know there's a certain amount of you know national pride different emotion uh, there yeah yeah but it was especially walking that. home couldn't yeah, get a yeah. taxi, but nothing else. Remember your man beside us? I mean, he was in tears. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, the guy, I, I gave him my <laughs> harmonica. I'm like, honey, you, you've been outbeaten. Check out this guy. <laughs> this guy yeah, he so, was, his so, hormones were splashing everywhere. There was, there was a, a lot of love there. They're definitely older. They don't quite have the same energy as they did 20 years ago, but they still put on yeah. a great show. Really was. Um... Was that a criticism on Super Radio, Fauna? Ah, I would not dare. No. I just said they're older, don't have quite the same energy. It would be true. I think uh, that might be all um, of us. Yes. <laughs> well, speak for yourself. Oh, look, it's coming to the top of the hour now. I mean, certainly uh, for me, 30 years of like, traveling, um, it's definitely taken its toll in the last few years. Uh the bounce back is not the same yeah, after a certain amount, age. The amount of traveling and the amount of layovers in airports and it's yeah. it, it, it's definitely taken its toll. Well, not not with me. I actually have never felt younger. <laughs> um, never been more, especially when you add on four daughters to that. Um, I've, I'm at the peak now. I would call it <laughs> the peak. Um, probably even going to get a bit younger by the the end of the day. I've just. I'm so full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and now we are truly hitting the top of the hour. We are. We're getting there. And uh, this has been a lovely surprise. To Brian O'Brien. Uh, to Brian O'Brien. Nice. Very nice. It to was lovely be to here. chat music yeah. for an hour. Yeah. And uh, be and funny if you if you lived in New York. It'd be like Brian O'Brien from New York, New York. <laughs> well, <laughs> funny in, in my head, anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't see it like that, but no, of course not. No, I'll shut up. I'll shut up now. I'll quit while we're ahead. Brian O'Brien, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Maeve. Thank you for being there. This is uh, Dave on, and Maeve on Superyacht Radio. On the Everboard Show. We have loads of interviews coming up today from the Palmer Show. Next up is Fusion with their amazing um, entertainment system. I have to say it was truly an experience. Next up is the news, then Fusion. <laughs>